ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Brought to you by Zadok Jewelers, KFNC and KFNC HD2, Mont Bellevue, Houston. The best, most informed sports talk, noon to three. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Touchline is very anti-Dusty Baker right now. It's funny, uh, really. And I can, I mean, I understand why. Uh, Kendall Graveman was traded to the Astros for Corey Lee. What did you uh, what you make of this trade, Blankers, when you found out it was Corey Lee? We were leaving the studio. I was really pleased that the first part of the deal was announced that they were getting Kendall Graveman back. I think Kendall Graveman fits every possible thing that you're looking for. He can be a back of the bullpen, six, seven, eight, ninth inning gate guy. He's a guy that knows the culture here, fit in well to the locker, and was very excited from what we've read and heard about coming back. Uh, and it looked like it was a really good ad. It really just bothered me when I found out it was for Corey Lee because we just got done talking about how their farm system isn't as deep and plentiful as a lot of other teams' farm systems that are trying to make moves. Corey Lee, to me, was the biggest chip you had other than Drew Gilbert. And Corey Lee, to me, shouldn't have been used to get a relief pitcher like Kendall Graveman. Corey Lee, to me, should have been a guy that should have been at the forefront of a deal to try and get another starting pitcher that could help this team this year. That's why I was disappointed. That's why I thought they might have given up too much. I like the ad of Graveman in every way, shape, and form. I just didn't know if Graveman was worth a guy, a prospect like Corey Lee. Um, agree with with a lot of that. I think that Dana Brown set out to use Corey Lee to acquire the best arm that he could, whether it was a starter or it was a reliever, and found out pretty quick that Corey Lee was not going to bring back Jordan Montgomery, that Corey Lee was not going to bring back Eduardo Rodriguez, that Corey Lee was not going to bring back Lucas Giolito. I trust that Dana Brown did the due diligence of, of evaluating the market, talking to all of his teams, and found the best pitcher that he could for Corey Lee. I ultimately think that Kendall Graveman was the best pitcher that he could find for Corey Lee. I agree that the price is a little bit steep. Um, it feels like Corey Lee could get you more than just a reliever. But we also, like, this is a testament to the seller's market that we're currently living in in Major League Baseball. Like, go go look to see what these starting pitchers are being traded for. Look what Max Scherzer got a top 90 prospect on one side, a top 50 prospect on another. Jordan Montgomery got a couple of the Rangers' best prospects. Luke, and, and he's a rental. Lucas Giolito, a rental, got a per- pretty healthy return from the Angels. So I trust that Dana Brown tried to do that and ultimately couldn't do that and ultimately got the best pitcher that he could find for Corey Lee. Again, I agree that if it feels steep, it probably is a little bit steep. But you do have Yiner Diaz. Corey Lee is blocked in your organization, so you are going to find the best arm that you could for Corey Lee. And again, trust that that Dana Brown did. And then secondly, on top of that as well, you get Kendall Graveman next year as well. And if you look at the, some of the multi-year salaries that the Houston Astros have, Hector Neris is going to be a free agent. Phil Maton is going to be a free agent. Ryan Stanick is going to be a free agent. So you have three relievers that are coming off the books this season. So if you didn't acquire a relief pitcher that's under club control for next season, you're going to have to be even more active in free agency. You're probably going to have to overspend in terms of average annual salary on a, on a relief pitcher you can bring into this team. So again, pretty steep, but I like the Kendall Graveman is on has another year of club control, and I trust that Dana Brown did the due diligence, kicked the can on a bunch of different things, and Kendall Graveman 
was ultimately the best arm that he could find for Corey Lee. Yeah, no, look, I, like I said, I, I think Graven's a really good ad. I, I would have liked to have seen them maybe hold out a little bit just to figure out if you could get something more for Corey Lee. I, I totally agree, and we've talked about he was log-jammed here. He wasn't going to get a chance to play here. It's unfortunate because, you know, what a difference a year makes when he was supposed to be, you know, the heir apparent to the catcher for the long term for this team, and then along came Yiner Diaz, and the rest is history. I, 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 I wish Corey Lee all the best, and he's a great kid, and Joe had a great interview with him uh, on the wheelhouse, and... You know, and I want him to succeed. I just thought if I'm Dana Brown, if that's the best chip I got, I, it seemed a little early in the process of the, before the trade deadline to go and make that move without exploring more options. But you're right. I trust him to do his job and do it correctly. So I, I knew Corey Lee was going to go at some point before the deadline. I was expecting a, maybe a bigger fish in return. Yeah, I think the thing, too, with the with dealing with the White Sox is they went on just a fire sale so fast. They traded, traded five pitchers within like 72 hours. So you, you had to move quickly to get Kendall Graveman, and I feel like that kind of upped the price maybe to Corey Lee because like they clearly that's what they need. They need a catcher of the future, and if they're just selling all those guys, they're on a clock that you're not on, so you have to react quickly. And and frankly, like, I'm just I'm fine with the deal because I think the big thing that Jeremy you pointed out was the free agency stuff in the next year. You need Kendall Graveman to replace one of those guys. You do. If all of them are free agents on this roster, you think they're all expecting to get paid like Montero. They should be. They're like, if that guy got paid that, then what am I getting paid if I'm Hector Neris, if I'm Phil Mateson? I think you're getting, like, best case scenario, I think one of those three guys is back with the Astros next year. Like, Neris, Maton, Stanek, I think one of them comes back. Maybe none of them come back. But even if only one of them come back, you still need two release spots. And, like, there's no one knocking down the door in the minors, too. So you're going to have to probably be active in the middle relief uh, free agent market. So I-, I like that aspect of the trade. I agree it's a little steep, but I think it's a testament to the, the to the market that it is so much a seller's market. You go look at the other trades that, that have brought back starting pitchers, it's more than Corey Lee. Yeah. Like, it's way more than Corey Lee. Well. I expected the pa- whatever package to bring back a bigger fish to be Corey Lee and other pieces. I just thought in lieu of a lot of organizations giving up those top 100, top 50, top 25 type prospects, maybe Corey Lee and Sweeteners would have at least kept you in the conversation. Yeah, yeah per- perhaps, but I'm not sure. Like, again, right. the Astros minor league system isn't great. The Astros are great at producing major league talent from their minor league system. But they're not like decorated stars. J.P. France was not decorated at all. J.P. France had zero trade value ahead of this season, but the Astros get the most out of them. So it's it, it's it's interesting. What is the circle of dust right now? Now that Graveman's back, we haven't done a circle of dust no, in, in a quite a while. Thanks, Joe George. Uh, what is the circle of dust now that you have Kendall Graveman? Let's go high leverage to low leverage. Who is at the top of the pecking order from a high leverage standpoint? Work your way down. To me, you still start with Presley. I, I, I just, I'm not wavering off of that. I believe in Ryan Presley. I believe more times than not, he is the guy that's going to get the job done no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, and I feel very, very strongly and highly uh, in, that, in that opinion that he is the guy. Second for me has changed again, but I think that Norris has done enough. Um, and, and I'm going to call him Lance Zerline's favorite name, Norris. Because I think Hector Neris has been a guy that, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit, as Todd Callis said, of Houdini and magic and a lot of things have fallen his way. But you know what? He doesn't get flustered. He stays in the moment and stays focused. And I believe he's a guy that can get the job done in high leverage situations. So I'm going to go Neris as second. I'll put Abreu third. uh, And then I'll put Graveman fourth. Uh, And then if I've got to keep going further and further down the list, 
as Paul would call him, Matan is not a guy that I, I have as much confidence as I used to have. But I think that Maton slides down for me to where I would almost put Stanek above Maton right now because I think Maton's a little tired. I think he's had a lot of appearances. He needs a little bit of rest. And so I, I've, I've seen second-half Maton enough to know that I think he's come way down my list. Yeah, Maton to me is just pitching towards his meme or his mean. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think he's been used a lot, but you kind of have to use relievers a lot. It's the way baseball Especially works. Especially when he's been a, he, he was as successful as he was first half. Yeah, he was super success, successful in the first half. My... Did you mention Montero there? No, I'm not talking about him. I mean, he's on. He's in the. He's bullpen. just. He's just a mop up guy still for me. Mop up Maton or mop up Montero. Yeah, a twelve and a half you million sent, dollar you sent mop up. Seth man. Martinez down. So there's your Seth Martinez. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not at all going to. Uh, I'm not demoting Presley. Like Presley's still your guy. Presley's your guy. Whatever. Presley's the top guy on this circle of dust. I have a bright you second. You had a Brayu second. Who'd you have third? I had, I had Naris second. You had Naris ahead of a Brayu. I have a, I have a Brayu far ahead of anybody else. I have Presley in my tier one, but Brayu tier two, and then everybody else is distant. I have Naris ahead of Graveman. Like Dusty also is very loyal to guys that have been on his team. So while he knows Graveman, he likes Graveman. I don't think he's going to jump Naris. So you got Presley, a Brayu, Naris, Graveman's fourth. Graveman comes in ahead of. I'm 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 with you. I'm promoting Stanek over Maton. Uh, Maton's been yep, awful lately, yep. so I'm going Stanek after Graveman. I'll go Maton over Montero, but Montero's closing the gap a little bit, and then Parker Mashinsky is last on my list. Sound okay to you, Joe George? You okay with the list? Presley, yeah, I think Abreu, Nearest Graveman, Stanek, May, who's Maton, your two, Montero, Joe? Mashinsky. Abreu is it? It's still Abreu, but I think it. I think the you might be the only one in the city that would have Nearest. No, but see, I, I I go Abreu too. But I think the gap is closer than you think it is, Jeremy. His stuff between, is so good. Between Naris and Abreu. Like, when Naris, part, maybe it's just the, the celebrations after the strikeouts <laughs> but that me, I just love so much. But, like, it, Naris is right there. It's Abreu or Naris. I feel comfortable with both those guys. And then I think Graveman is the easy answer for the next one. But I will say the way Dusty Baker has just, like, opined about Graveman since he, the trade was announced, I think he might show more loyalty to Graveman than we're expecting. Is he going to be his daily rally? I maybe. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's capable of being your daily rally. I don't think so. Like he, remember, remember the first time they had him, he was kind of not great after second. Yeah, going back to back days, yeah. Yeah. he kind of always needed an extra day. He's kind of like he and Presley have the same uh, work order. Where if they're going to work one day, it's going to be tough to expect the same guy to come back the next day yeah. or, or or three out of the last four. It's going to be interesting too with Graven because he's obviously coming here with such a different attitude. Seeing the quotes that he was giving McTaggart versus what he gave when he was walking across the field in Seattle a couple years ago, it's such a different mentality. He's so excited to be in Houston this time. So hopefully that'll translate as well. That was awesome. Like his his because he he didn't want to leave. He was Seattle. so upset. Oh, he he was very all. upset leaving. Seattle. They didn't want him to leave from the locker room standpoint, and he did not want to go. He was so upset leaving Seattle that it rubbed a lot of the fans the wrong way here. Even to the point where I was seeing a lot of people kind of like remembering that when they traded for him the other day. Like, get, we got Graveman. He he hates it here. He doesn't want to be here. Uh, so it was nice to see the quotes of Graveman. Happy to be back. I mean, he's leaving Chicago, leaving the White Sox. I'm sure he's thrilled. Hey, get out of that dump. Get out of that. Get dump. to a real city with real base. Joe's favorite team, and then that's where uh, that's where Brendan Riley works. After we sacked him, get, okay. rid of that, get Brendan, out of that dump. Brendan leaves the. We, we get rid of Brendan Riley, and then all of a sudden, okay. Brendan Riley has a terrible year. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, what do you think that job is like? I don't 162 know. days of your life Oof. just ruined by having to be plus, a White Sox. Plus, you got a day job as well, and then you got to do that. If he doesn't have Tough. to go to the games, it wouldn't be that bad. I think he does. Like, if it was just like, okay, I'm going to get all the work done in my 9 to 5, and then I don't have like, I set everything up, I don't have to go to the games, I don't think it'd be abysmal. No, he, he's either at the games or he's on the board. See, that would at, make it hard. He's either at the station or at the ballpark for the. He never games. left his apartment anyway, so he could just do the same things he was doing, just do it from the studio. That would make it difficult if he had to be on every single broadcast. Tough. That, that would be hard. 713-780-ESPN. What's your circle of dust now that they've traded for Graven in the bullpen? 713-780-3776. Also, we've seen a lot of fight in the NFL already. It's getting feisty. Rodgers, Peyton. Uh, how about Jonathan Taylor and Jim Ursay? A lot of storylines, a lot of drama going on around the NFL. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Killer, killer, killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Chopped and screwed straight out of Houston. Uh, someone texting in on the uh, text line, don't sleep on Parker Mashinsky. I think he's annoyed oh. that I'm calling him Mashinsky and not Mushinsky. Mush. Because he gets mashed. Although stuff hasn't looked bad recently. Uh, 6146, don't re- disrespect Parker M. Uh, he has some big outs against the Rangers. He may be above Montero. Cool. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Get the M&Ms in the back end. I'm dying uh, on that hill. The bullpen. Maton Montero Mashinsky. Mm. Not exactly a murderer's row no. in the front end of your bullpen. 713-780-ESPN. Dana Brown still wants an arm, which would be interesting. Obviously, Mashinsky would be the guy that gets sent down. If they traded for a reliever and didn't trade from their bullpen, Mashinsky's the guy that's sent down. Yep, so sure is. They're not going to get rid of Montero unless it's a salary dump. But Montero is the, the most expensive mop-up man in all of Major League Baseball. It's his new role, and it's a role that he's going to wear proudly. Uh, 713-780-3776. So there's a lot of drama going on around the NFL. Which of these two dr- drama-filled stories do we want to talk about first? Is more riveting audio. The Aaron Rodgers snapping back at Sean Payton or this whole Jonathan Taylor, Jim Irsay thing? Jonathan Taylor, Jim Irsay. You don't want to talk about Rodgers. I'm just done with the Are you going to watch Hard Knocks? Thing. No. Really? I don't have HBO. Oh. Figure somebody as bougie as you. Yeah, oh, no. oh, now I'm bougie. Now you're name calling again. And I've no, called I you don't. bougie all the time. Oh. That's not the first time I called you bougie. I called you bougie Still the last time when you talked about. Star- that's, that's not a bad thing. I, I don't believe that I am, but I just. You get I, Starbucks I, every day. That's pretty bougie. So what? Uh, honestly, not but, that it's anybody's business. How many times do I pay for it? I have no idea. Okay, not as much as you think. Is it bougie if you don't pay for it? That's no, an interesting question. It shouldn't be. Because I'm, ca- I'm catching a deal and I'm catching it from friends. And so. I'm more likely to go. Is it bougie if you don't pay for it, Joe? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. You don't pay for Starbucks. Do you yeah. have like are you your friends with the barista? I don't need to get into details that can get people in trouble. The bottom line is what I told you. So I'm not that bougie. <laughs> you got a, you got a guy that you're trying to. You don't want to out your barista. Who said it's a guy. Your barista bro. And who said it's just one? Oh, I see why you're not wanting to tell this story right. now. It's a barista lady. No, there's, oh. no, there's more than one. You oh. can dig all you want. The, I got a deal going that I like. It's I don't not, have to screw it up. No, yeah. it's not bougie. Thank I don't. You, I don't I, free stuff is free stuff. But it's right. still. But it's still the. Uh, is it the palette though? What do you mean? Is it the palette or is it the price? Like I think a lot of times it'd be the palette more than the price. You know what I mean? I guess. Or maybe the uh, the image. You know what I'm saying? I don't I, think there's I that much of a difference. The green cup or the logo or whatever. Huh. All right. You guys ever had Dutch Bros? Uh, uh, I've driven by it. I heard it's really sweet. I've never is, had it. Is that all? That's ice cream within the coffee, and that's. I like, don't know if it's actual ice cream. I think it's just super sweet. Yeah, I think they have. They have like they have option. certain versions where you can have 
ice cream within the yeah. coffee. It's they very popular, one. Lisa said, in California, and they're making their way here. They opened one right by my apartment, and I was blown away. The like line it? was on oh. the street. There was like 40 people in line the day they opened, and I was just, The one that's by didn't my know place, what it was. Close, ish, ish by my place, is always pretty busy. Now, I heard it's super sweet, and I drink my coffee black, so I have zero interest in going to a Dutch Bros. I heard, in fact, they don't even have like a normal drip coffee. Well, I'm never going there. I know. What's the point? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, do you hear what Jim Irsay had to say? He said that if uh, there's a whole right now, Taylor demanding a trade, does he have a bad back? He says that he doesn't. Went on Twitter saying, I don't have a bad back. I've never had a bad back. You have bad sources. Uh, Jim Irsay said the other day about, you know, <laughs> he goes, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. It's a privilege to be a part of it. Now, Ursay's not really wrong. Like, it's just a really uh, bizarre... He's I not disagree. wrong. The show, no, the show goes on. Absolutely, the I, show I, goes I on. Will, it's not, he's not Daniel Snyder. I will miss Jim Ursay potentially getting coked up and tweeting random things <laughs> so you will at miss times. So you will I miss will him. miss Jim Ursay. My, fantasy, my dynasty fantasy football team that I used two first-round picks to acquire Jonathan Taylor <laughs> would miss Jonathan Taylor greatly if they fake a back injury this uh, that's year. That's a higher price for Jonathan Taylor than I've seen. But, um... <laughs> I mean, no one's wrong. I mean, Ursay's not wrong here. Like, if, if Ursay died, there's a new owner in the in Indy tomorrow. Like, the NFL goes It'll on. It'll be okay. If Jonathan Taylor you know, ruined his leg and never played again in the NFL, the ratings are still going to be up. Attendance is still going to be up. Jim Ursay's not necessarily wrong. It's the timing of saying this whenever you have some sort of little beef going on with your running back. It's like, what are you doing here, Jim Ursay? Well, it's Jim Ursay, Jim Ursay, right? It's this so is weird. the kind of behavior that... We just expect Jim Ursay is going to do, and we're not even going to bat an eye going, is Ursay doing it again? I think Jonathan Taylor, of course, is looking for that payday, and he's playing the next card in his arsenal to try and get what he wants. I, I, I don't mind Jim Ursay basically standing on the hill going, we're not trading him anywhere, and so we either get it done or we don't. But this is just typical negotiations and a typical standstill in a, in a more big-time deal that has to get done, and I think they're going to find a way to get it done. Ursay knows what he's got, even if he is a running back, even if the the value and the, the 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 pay scale that we talked about last week again isn't what it used to be for a running back. He knows that, especially with trying now a rookie quarterback as opposed to you know recycled veteran quarterbacks the last several years. The one mainstay for him is if he wants a chance to win, he's got one of the best running backs in football. He's probably going to have to keep that guy around. I don't know how this is going to play out. Like, I mean, you pay he's not the guy sit and miss games. I don't think he's going to hold out. I don't know. Like, what do you? You don't think? I I ultimately think he plays. Yeah, I, I think I think I the do. holding out route is bad. Look at Le'Veon Bell. Like, I think it makes sense to. Okay, I hate my owner. I hate my situation. I hate this team. Let me put on my smiley face and just deal with it for seventeen games. Try to like inter, like the franchise tags in play here, uh, but try to get to free agency as quick as you possibly can. I don't believe in the sitting out route. I ultimately think that Taylor's going to play football for the Colts, but yep. it's a bad relationship. Yeah, I mean the toxic. Fact- they're threatening to put him on the non-football injury list, which means if they can prove that he hurt his back in the offseason away from the team, they can withhold pay. Yep. They can withhold, and his salary, his, his contract doesn't advance. No, you don't. You lose the year of service. It's, it's weird how the NFL does that, but if he doesn't play and he's on like the, the, the non-football injury list, the NFI, he doesn't accrue the year of service. So it delays yeah. free agency by a year. So it's like they are trying to back him into a corner where it's like, you have to pay play for us. There's no questions asked. But 
there's no way the 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 players union could let this happen. Where like it, let him be put on the NFI list if it's not real. But I think that it sends a dangerous message to Taylor too, where Taylor's not going to want to play for you no matter what. I mean, it, it, it's you just have to start asking yourself at what point does it become irreconcilable differences where you know Irsay's Ur- done enough or the organization has has played hardball with you know trying to say it was a non-football related injury to where he's like, look, man, I just don't want to play here anymore. I kind of feel like we're there. Well, he's on the puff. Think he's already the there because I think this year. is just part of the negotiation. It seems pretty nasty. Like this is that's pretty aggressive. I mean. You know, we're not. How often do we see a guy saying, "I want to get paid," and the, the team leaks out that this player got hurt in the off season, and they might not pay him and let that year accrue? Well, is it even true? Like that's Jonathan what, Taylor went to Twitter, point, Twitter like, and said, "I've never had a back injury." Like, and if, so that almost makes it feel like it's a Jim Ursay planted story. I don't see. I don't know. I don't like. Why would Ursay say that if he's not? If it's an empty it's a, promise, it's a threat. It's because if there is even the littlest back injury, because. It, the way they're making well, it Well, he's seem on like, the pump list right now because yeah. of the ankle injury from last yeah, year. Yeah, but they're saying a back, so it's different. Sure. So it's basically like if he goes to the trainer and goes like, hey, I was squatting the other day. My back hurts just like a little bit. Can we ice it down? They almost are using like that maybe small moment that could that probably happened, something like that, and trying to leverage it against them. It's it seems weird. pretty nasty. This is such a weird st- – it is, it is nasty. It is nasty. And like if you're Ursay, why are you doing that? Like if you don't want to pay Jonathan Taylor – Okay, well, let him play out the final year of his deal this year, and then just don't franchise tag him. Let her, let him enter free agency. And try to trade like, him now, or trade him. Like move on. Like just get rid of him. Right well, now. You're instead, already... you're you're staining his name with mud and making him almost untradeable. It yeah. makes zero sense. I think there's still plenty of teams that are gonna. When it comes down to brass tacks, they will enter. They would love to have Jonathan. But Taylor. don't you think it's lost? It's it's hurt his value. Well, I he's mean, fighting it, with his owner. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they're going to hold that against him. But if you can get him for cheaper. Like, if you're trying to trade for Jonathan Taylor, you're, you're the general manager for the Green Bay Packers. You're going to pay top dollar for Jonathan Taylor after the owner and the running back are in a fight? You're going to try and do everything you can do to, to minimize what you give up. But at the end of the day, you still know the talent you're getting. And you know because of that situation that there's the truth lies probably more in the middle or if you have a you know conversations right. with but you're going to hold that against Ursay whenever you're talking to the Colts. You're going to Oh, no doubt. Exactly. Oh, so I thought you were saying that no, it no, no. But that's from like, a Taylor perspective. From an Ursay perspective, why are you staining the name of Jonathan Taylor? Like if you have ideas of I don't want to pay him, let me trade him now before he enters free agency. Let's talk him up. Let's talk about how his ankle doesn't hurt, how he's the model citizen, how everything's great with Jonathan Taylor. Oh, you want to offer us a first rounder, a second rounder, a third rounder like the Christian McCaffrey was a second, third, fourth, fifth, no first. But let's say you can one-up the McCaffrey trade. You get a first, second, third for Jonathan Taylor. Like, wouldn't you be talking about him in the well, most positive light? Take it a light? step further, Jeremy. What if the fact that representation for other guys also come to the table and say, hey, don't do me like you did Jonathan Taylor. I don't want my guy playing there. I don't want my guys playing there. If the minute, you know, guys don't fall in line and do things and we don't do things the way you want it done, you're going to crap on us and you're going to use the media and you're going to start short selling us short too. They don't want that either because they believe that their players' value is going to be there and they want it to stay there, whether it's with you or somebody else. I think that Jim Irsay is the worst owner in the NFL. I think he's worse well, than Davis. Snyder's gone. I think he's worth. He might be worse than Snyder. Now, Snyder was toxic, but in terms of like damaging his football team, I don't know if he was quite there. I mean, oh, I Dan do. I know Snyder, three team names, two playoff wins. Sure. But, but screw that. Jim Irsay was going to hire Josh McDaniels, and McDaniels' wife told him no because Jim Irsay spent two hours in their bathroom. <laughs> Worst owner in the league. But, but talk talk to Jay Gruden and talk to the general managers that have been in Washington that said that 
they did all their due diligence, did all this work for months and months and months on who to draft and where to draft them. And Snyder came into the room and said, I don't care what you've done and who you're doing. We're picking what was the quarterback from Ohio State was the last one. But the, uh, he, Haskins. yeah, Haskins, he would just come right in and say, it's my team. I'll do what I want. Don't care what you've done and who you think we should pick. We're taking this guy and we're doing this and we're doing that. Not to mention the way he completely went way out of line with everything that he did from a front office perspective and all the HR rules he violated and all the people that he violated. This dude was absolute just trash. Was he doing coke in Josh McDaniel's bathroom? No, but he was he was taking pictures of cheerleaders out there permission. Yeah, no, he was having their video department take pictures when they didn't think the cameras were on and giving him secret CDs or DVDs so he could watch them in private. Yeah, Ursa is the now that Snyder's gone. Ursa is the worst owner in the NFL. The only one that I could think of that's in the conversation would be Al Davis. You mean uh, Mark Davis? Mark Davis. Mark Davis is Mark. I better, guess is Mark worse than Jera? I mean, I think Mark at least gets out of the way. Jerry's fielded winners. Like they haven't been back to the Super Bowl, but the Cowboys haven't been like three and fourteen every single year. Like, they've been they've been competitive. Now, I'm looking at just the overall too, not just all football. But I hear what you're saying. But Ooh. that's what I'm saying. Like. I mean, Mark Davis has done nothing wrong. It's now, Ursay Urse won in the past. Ursay won in let the past. Peyton go. He did, but he had luck. Well, and then he tried to say, we take care of our stars. <laughs> and he used Andrew Luck as a reference. He had to quit football. Well, I think they paid Andrew Luck, though. Him. But I think, they had to, I think they paid Andrew Luck when they didn't have to. Like, yeah. I think they gave Luck like a free true. $20 million just to be like you know on good terms with Andrew Luck. Well, they wanted but to they, hold out in case he changed his mind, too, that he maybe. would want to come back. But then bash your current running back, who might be the best running back in the NFL. Bizarre behavior by Jim Ursay, which isn't a surprise. Uh, seven one. Do we want to say anything about Aaron Rodgers and how great he is and selfless and snapping back at Sean Payton? I enjoyed it. I do, too. I, I'm, I'm liking New York Aaron Rodgers. I like him a lot. And matter of fact, I think he's my favorite non-Houston Texan in the NFL. Super. I love this guy. I do like the back and forth. I, I mean, for once in his life, he looked like a team player this weekend in, in multiple ways by giving money back and then by having the back of his offensive coordinator. So <laughs> I was fine with that because I thought Sean Payton was way out of line. Tony Lone Star. So if you had the opportunity, you wouldn't hang out on a Saturday night with Jim Mercy. I didn't say that. I just said he was the worst owner in the NFL. 713 sounds like a great time on a Saturday night. It's all right for fighting. 713-780-3776. Mailbag Monday. What is your question for the Killer Beast? You can ask us whatever you want whatever your little heart desires 713-780-3776 mailbag monday with the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 something that you need in your life are these contests from circa two different contests they can make you a millionaire who doesn't want that and you're betting on football we all do that anyway circa million the circus survivor are back 14 million dollars in guaranteed prizes and there's no rake circus just doing this for the kindness of their heart no rake in these contests. The biggest football contest in Vegas back for their fifth year only at Circa Sports. Head to Circa, enter in Vegas, and the beauty of it, play from anywhere. Your couch, your work, wherever, because you can play from anywhere once you enter in Vegas. The two contests. First, the Circa Million Football Contest, $6 million in total prizes, quarterly payouts too, so maybe you're hot in the first quarter of the season. Get paid out for that. Maybe you're hot in the final quarter of the season. Get paid for that. You're never out of these quarterly payouts, and then you can win the whole darn thing. 100% payback, as we mentioned, no rake. Where else can you get that? Nowhere. Top prize, $1 million in guaranteed prizes. You'll pick five teams against the spread weekly. Winner takes home a $1 million. The second contest, Circa Survivor, their biggest prize yet. How much? Eight 
million. It's simple. Pick a winner. Straight up. No spread. Win big. If you're the lone survivor, a guaranteed $8 million is yours. Bigger money than ever before. Play today for your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Contests are open right now, so hurry. Do not wait. You don't want to miss out. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more details. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. Mommy? Mommy? What's in the bag? Uh, what's in the box? Who's in the box? What was in the box? Uh, Mailbag Monday. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 925. 713-780-3776. Ask us whatever you want. 713-780-3776. Uh, Ocho. It's a great question. What is that? The, the Ocho's? Th- yes. What was the last thing you've written in cursive other than your name? My daughter's name. Huh. I did. I did some. Uh, we had some poster board stuff that we had to get done for her for a project, and and part of it was then identifying who's. And I did her name in cursive and some other things for the poster board for her. But it's a great question because even on like greeting cards and other things, I print more than I use cursive. Yeah, I try not to write at all. To be honest with you, even my signature is not cursive. It's a J squiggle B squiggle. I'm pretty much with you. Um, the last time that I wrote in cursive, it was probably two years ago. I remember being bored, like in a waiting room, and for some reason, I had a pad and a pen, and someone had like this type of conversation, and I started to like write random things in cursive to see if I remembered how to do it. That's yeah, it. I don't even think they teach it anymore. No, I, I think you're pri- well. No, that's not true because Taylor is learning it, and she's learned learned it in private school. No, public she's school. In public? Public school, and then over summer camp a year ago, they were teaching it to her. I think that was just some overzealous college kids that were her her counselors that were helping her and, and trying to teach her that. But I do know that at her public school a year ago, they were teaching cursive. But yeah, without having kids, I wouldn't use cursive. What a waste yeah. of time. Teaching cursive? Learning it. Teaching it. All of the above. Mm, I mean, Last I think it's time a cool I used skill. it, probably when they stopped telling me to learn it. Well, based on how much we all type things anyway. Remember before, I mean... Uh, you know, it was it was a different story in terms of typing out a, a, a term paper or something like that. But when we started getting into how frequent how frequently we use and have access to electronic devices, there's no way that anybody is spending any time writing letters or writing in cursive anymore. It's just yeah. A, yeah, yeah. I don't. There's no point in your life besides your signature that you need to. Other than it's kind of it. cool. Or the ability to read it if other things were written in cursive, but you don't see it as much anymore. See, I feel like I could probably read it if it was written in cursive. Yeah, I think the other thing is too, like when you're thinking about even DocuSign, your signature doesn't even have to be accurate anymore. All you got to do is DocuSign electronically yep. and verify that that's okay. And sometimes they ask you to sign it, or sometimes they just do something close to it. You just okay? You know what's cool about cursive now is that it's like an antiquated skill. It really it's is kind of cool because of the nostalgia, and that's pretty much it. Because you're yeah. right, like the DocuSign, all that stuff. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. What's your question for the Killer Bees? Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Jeff, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Jeff? Hey, doing guys? Hey, I got a couple questions for you, real quick. Uh, what do you guys think of uh, Michael Brantley? He's getting up there in age, hasn't played, and McCullers. What's going on with that? You guys think we should give him another shot or get rid of him? Um, appreciate it, Jeff. Jeff, first things first. The, the first me- name that you mentioned is not to be mentioned until there's an activation and an actual reason to mention him anymore because we're past the all-star break and past the midway point in the season, in my opinion. So we're not talking about him. And McCullers is out for the year, so 
there's nothing to talk about there until we see medical progress in the offseason. Yeah, I'm not going to count on either one of these guys, but if they wake up one day or I wake up one day, they're like, oh, they're being activated by the Astros. I'll be like, oh, cool. Um, look, I mean, I see like you do. I see Michael Brantley on the background of like Vanessa Richardson interviewing the pitching coach that Michael Brantley's taking swings. I've seen the the you know the videos on Twitter of him taking swings. He's been here twice already this season and then had an inflamed shoulder and then it cost him to miss time. So it seems like if it happens one more time, his season's lost. I don't hold out any hope that he's going to make like even an appearance for the Houston Astros. And then Lance McCullers, there's nothing to worry about worry about in 2023. He's going to pick up a baseball and try to throw it in like November. So maybe we see him next year. But both of these guys, so injury prone, uh, I'm not counting on either one of them to do anything but you're also not getting rid of them like Brantley's under contract this year he's obviously not going anywhere Lance McCullers you have under club control you're not getting rid of him so they're going to be around Uh, I think it's foolish to think that either guy is going to be a factor at any point uh, to be honest with you 713-780-ESPN what is your question for the killer bees key from LA who is your celebrity crush to hang out with Joe who's yours (laughs) to hang out with Yeah. yeah Um, Bill Murray. I hang out with all. I've already hung out with my celebrity crushes. I think Uh, you'll be grossly disappointed. Joe Burrow. Yeah, I've hung out with him. I've hung out with Allen Iverson. Those are my celebrity crushes. I already hang out with them. So I want to drink with the Kelsey brothers. Uh, Those guys are awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy their podcast. Uh, A night of drinking with Travis and Jason Kelsey would be a good time. I don't know that you'd remember it. He might. Travis Kelsey might punch you though if you strip at the ball, dude. That. It's awesome. Punch that. I don't know if that, if, if that fight was better or the kid who used to be the he used to be on the Texans. Oh yeah, Aronquo. Yep. He Woo, slapped, that was that he was vicious. The, he slapped the dude in the head and he ran away like a little child. Which which team for the Browns? Browns. Oh, was that the Browns yeah. fight? Yeah. yeah. Or Deshaun Deshaun with away. the little white towel. Yeah. He ran. He ran the other side. Yeah. Who's your celebrity crush? Barkley. No, I, I mean I knew you were going to have that to say too, but no, I mean I'm trying to think of a good one that's like recent. That would be fun. Shania Twain. No. Um, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark's. I, I think he'd be great to have on the show, but I'm not going to say that I, I want to hang out with him. Um, who's yours? I told you. I've already hung out with my celebrity oh, so you're, crushes. You're Joe Burrow, Allen Iverson. You're hanging out no, with No, I'm not jokes? too good to participate. I told you the ones that I've never hung out with them. No, I don't really fraternize with the players. No, not really. I don't know, but you love him. He's a kook. I do love Corey. What about Case Keenum? Never hung out with Case. Ed Oliver? I mean, he, Case doesn't really count because um, he's really a coach. Hung out with Ed? No, I've never hung out with Ed. No, I don't really fraternize with players. That's why Ed I think Oliver it's weird, the dentist chair one day. He's a large man. Did you? Yeah. He used to go to Doc O'Brien's office over in Meyerland, and uh, I think Doc O'Brien did a lot of the Cougs dental, dental stuff for at least a year or so, but my daughter actually turned the corner to go to a chair, and she went to the wrong chair and walked into Ed yeah. Oliver. Yeah. That's yeah. a big dude. It's a roadblock. Yeah. Uh, 713-780. So did you have one? Uh, maybe... Mark Wahlberg because he golfs, or it'd be fun to golf with Mark. Yeah, with Marky Mark, that'd be a good. I one. think that might be one. I'd like to play a little golf with Marky Mark. That'd be awesome. Pena says, "What's the hardest sport to go pro in?" Mm. I was thinking the other day, what's the uh, what's the one sport you can play play with a terrible body? Golf. Golf is the obvious one. Here's another one though. Bowling. How about a catcher? Well, Maldonado is doing Maldi, his best. This Alejandro Kirk guy, I went to the Rays game oh, this year. the, the, and the Blue Jays guy? They had their height and weight. Yeah, yeah, the Blue Jay guy. And when I was watching that, that's where I caught the baseball. But Alejandro Kirk comes to the play. I'm like, guys, that guy's a little short and pudgy. He's 5'9", 240. 
Well, what about old boy from the <laughs> Met? I mean, you got Vogelbach. Yeah, Vogelbach. Cody Jr. Alec yeah. Manoa. Bartolo yeah, but Colon. Manoa. But it's harder now to have a bad body and pitch than ever before. You see Manoa hit old boy in the face from the Angels yeah, this weekend. Bad. Manoa's yeah. kind of figuring it out though. He's yeah. been pitching a lot better. Yeah, he lately. has been. Like for a pitcher, you kind of have to be conditioned now because you have to beat the clock. Look, there's a lot of Lance people. Lynn. Lance Lynn. At, even after Steve Stone told him to mix in a salad, like there. you can you can have a terrible body and be a catcher. Bowling. I think you could be a bowler. That's not a sport. Okay. That's a recreational you, you, you activity. Can, you can make good money if you're a good bowler. You can make good money if you play video games. You can make good money if you scratch off lottery tickets a lot on of YouTube. People still think bowling's a sport. bowling's not a sport. Okay, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Is bowling a sport? No I think chance. a lot of people think bowling is a sport. That's tough because like there's it's a, a it's, mediocre time I on a Friday night. Tell me how, how there's a pro league. I think there's a, a pro I, league for gaming. I, I had tag. a buddy of mine make an argument of of uh, auto racers being athletes. That's a sport. That's a physical grind. It is. It's much more of you can't have a bad bat you can't have a bad body and be an auto racer though. No, there's also like size constraints for the cockpit exactly. of a car. Like yeah. you can't have a bad body and be an auto racer. Like I think golf's the answer. I think I think a major league baseball catcher is a bad like a bad body. I'm gonna try to beat teach Branham Baby to be a catcher. I've been throwing things at Branham Baby, like soft balls, trying to keep, teach him how to block balls off the chest. So you're abusing your child by hitting them with objects? It's already? only mild abusement. It's not that bad. I throw things at my son. What about, so. what are, well, you do too because you just have anger issues with yeah. your son. Teach you you them, also call teach him bad names. Yeah, I call him a terrorist. You once. call him worse than that. <laughs> an a hole. Yeah, you it. did. That was it. He can be. He's your kid. You don't call him that. I still love him to yeah. death. Tony Lone Star bowling a sport. You're kidding me. So his darts or pool? What about great, great what counterpoint? About, what about linemen that just get fatter than all? Yeah, get out but just you to have be to be. Able to you have to create a hole or stop a hole. But you have to be athletic. Like you got to be athletic to be a big offensive lineman. You have to be able to have a quick burst. You have to be really strong. Like well, those dudes the endurance are of being able to come back a couple plays in a row and strength. Like, yeah, you have to push away another NFL athlete. Like, like the Packers guys had are a athletic. dude named Gilbert Brown back in the day. That was a nose tackle. That was just a massive mound of flesh, and just you know his size alone would block holes for running backs. But I always wondered like how much endurance the dude had and how many plays he could last, and was he truly? That athletically gifted, or was he just a massive mound of human being? Zero three nine two. Do you still have to wash a washcloth that you used to shower with? Yes, absolutely. Of course you do. What, a, who, what kind of question is that? You'd have to ask the texter. Are I'm we going to get down to how many showers in a week again, Joe? Do no? you? I don't use washcloths though. I don't either. I use a loofah. I don't, I don't, I don't a use a loofah either. I just who? use soap. It's a, you use bar soap. What is this prison? Yeah, I use bar soap. I don't need a loofah. <laughs> what I mean, talk about foo foo. You're calling loofahs bougie? Loofahs are the most popular way to wash your body in 2023. That's not bougie at all. I think loofahs a a, a chick thing. You're just trying to get back at us. I'm not. calling you bougie earlier. Well, you did, not Joe. I'm not trying to get back at Joe. And and I don't really... My (laughs) wife uses Not right now. Well, your wife is smart. You use a bar soap like you're locked up for 20 years. What are you doing, 15, 20 in Harris County? What's yeah, going on over there? At least. <laughs> I might in a, couple of, in a couple of hours. Why is that? Because I'll commit murder. Yeah, I'll kill you. Who are you yeah. killing? You. Let me rise up. Let me fix that life insurance real quick. I mean, I would... I, I've thought that it might happen at some point. If I'm being completely honest, I haven't. I have. I mean, I, mean, I think it's. Dunk I, on him the other day. I think it's in play. <laughs> like, if I'm being honest, what is a way that Branham can go out death by blankers? Yeah, I've thought about it. 
713-780-3776. Branham was at training camp today. Another way I might die, heat exhaustion. Pick six in the extra point. What did Branham learn at camp today? It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. You see the text line weighing in on the loofah bar soap conversation, Blink? No. All right. I'll leave it at that myself. I do know that Charles Barkley made the comment he uses a couple weeks ago that he doesn't like hotel soap. Because he almost lost one one time when getting into hard to reach places, and everybody just was like, "Wait, huh? What?" And then their imagination started running to how that could happen, and it didn't go well. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Uh, camp notes from today: the pick six and an extra point. There were some WWE wrestlers, Joe George, at, at camp today. Yep, Chad I, Gables. I made uh, I made them laugh. I made them laugh because I, I, like I have an unbelie- I have a killer personality. People think I've had a great people have saying I have a great personality. For Is years. he related to the Gables from Iowa, the legendary wrestling family? Maybe. Actually, this dude's a professional. Like he's an yeah, Olympic wrestler, I think so maybe right. like he went from being an Olympic amateur wrestler to now a professional wrestler. So, so his very well brother, I want to say, is the guy that set the mark for like college wrestling and had a na- a Dan Gable. I think he ended up being the coach at, at Iowa, but he was like there, he had his own wrestling shoe named after him and everything like that. So I was just curious if they were related. I hmm. uh, don't know. He was trained by... Well, let me see. I think it was Gable at Iowa. Okay, so his real name is not Gable. Oh. But they use... So this says that he adopted his ring name, Chad Gable, a nod to Olympian Dan Gable. There you go. So, like, it's not... They're not related, but he got his wrestling name... Because of the guy you just talked you about, yep. so good call, man. That was really that was really well done. Yeah, but I gave them their catchphrase, and they both they both got a kick out of it. So Branham made Alpha Academy laugh because I've had a terrific personality. I always have. Uh, the quarterback rotation continuing, guys. Stroud quarterback uh, number one in the first team period, but then Mills was quarterback number one in the second team period, and then Stroud was number one in the third period, and then Davis Mills was number one in the fourth period. Uh, but Stroud's first snap today. He threw an interception to Brian Cashman. Two plays later, a delay of game. Davis Mills looks better than C.J. Stroud right now. He threw a 50-yard dime to Xavier Hutchinson, although he would have been sacked by Will Anderson on the play. Um, the defense is, again, so far in front of this offense. It's I don't know what to make of it, but it's kind of worrisome, if I'm being completely honest with you. If the season were to start today, Blankers... I think that Stroud would be the third quarterback if I had to if I had to pick which quarterback do I have the most confidence moving the football today against another NFL team, Stroud would be my last pick. Would be your first pick. Probably Mills. Really? Mills slightly over Keenum and then Stroud would be after Keenum. Oh. Stroud's struggling. Stroud Stroud's struggling. Now this look, he hasn't been an NFL football player Kinda for more be expected, than a week. Right? Should be. It should be. Like we should have a rookie bar. For C.J. Stroud. He shouldn't be coming into NFL training camp and taking over everything day one. He shouldn't be. So me, like, saying that Stroud is the third co- the third quarterback I have the most confidence in based on what I've seen, it should be this way six days into Houston Texans training camp. Who was the first pick today that he threw it against? Cashman. Blake Cashman. Oh, Blake Cashman. Yeah, he threw okay. a pick to Blake Cashman, and then later he threw an absolute Peyton Manning duck. That was that was picked by Derek Stingley. Stingley went all the, the way. You said you had said he yeah, it's hard to say like it would have been a pick six though because they're not tackling. Like they're in full pads today for the first time they've been in full pads, but they're also just they're playing two hand touch in full pads. Right. So it's tough to tell if it would have been like a real pick six, but he, it was the worst throw I've seen CJ Stroud throw. Like throw, like and, it was a duck. And I think no matter what he's been through at Ohio State, he hasn't been through anything like this before in terms of what he's expected to pick up and the defenses that he's seeing and. You know, NFL training camp, I think, is probably going to be a little bit more tedious than than college training camps. 
for seasons. So, you know what? It's to be expected. And we know it's the number one story at camp, so it's going to be hyper-analyzed. But at the end of the day, if he's learning throughout the process and he, you know, he ends up getting back to what you saw last week when you were talking about the touch that he's able to put on balls. And I saw James Palmer was in town from NFL Network, and he was commenting on the same types of things. He went so far as to say not just the touch on the balls you know, are, are across the middle and on out routes, but his deep ball, he, he just thought that it was, you know, not that he, I don't believe he said elite, but he said it was really, really impressive. Then if he can eventually settle back into getting to that guy, then you're fine because right now you're not playing games that matter, and this is what well, the rookie quarterbacks go through. The one thing that I would be, I'm not going to call it concern, but the one thing that I need to see him improve, and again, six days in the camp, I'm not calling Stroud a bus, let, let's be for real. He He's having trouble with progressions, he's having look. I know that there's they're not playing tackle football right now. I know that they're not allowed to touch the quarterback, but there's still a rush. There's still a pass rush. There's still the offense. There's still an offensive line that has to protect the defense. There's still a, a blocker that come or a defensive end that comes in unblocked. They're causing pressure, and they want Stroud to get rid of the ball before he's touched because they're simulating like it's a sack. So there is still real pressure. Stroud's having trouble with pressure. And it, look, if we went back to him in college, where did C.J. Stroud not you know measure that well in? Pressure. Like, he had trouble with pressure at Ohio State. Todd, the show, asking on the Twitch, is the rookie bar a little lower if they're from Ohio State? And I, I get it. Like, it's a little bit of a shot. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, but that is a concern for Stroud coming into the league. How is he going to handle pressure? How is he going to handle not being by far the inferior side of the ball versus the opposition? How is he going to look whenever there is pressure in his face? The few times that it was there at Ohio State, outside of the Georgia game, he did not excel and shine in those spots. So, so Stroud's struggling a little bit right now. Uh, as expected for a rookie, now those were his weaknesses coming into the NFL. They are showing, and those are the areas where he's going to have to improve. And again, I've been out there four times now. The defense has been far better than the offense all four times. Quarterback is not an independent variable position. You need a good offensive line. They do have a pretty good offensive line. Uh, you need some good targets, things like that. But of the three, if I had to lead a game-winning drive right now of these three quarterbacks for my life to continue, Stroud's the last one I'm picking. Well, I mean, and I'm interested. I have so many questions. I'm interested then when you talk about, regardless of who's throwing it, we know that the receiver room has been scrutinized as well. And D'Amico was raving about Tank Dell. And, he, you know, he, he actually didn't shy away from the rookie. He went and complimented him uh, on multiple occasions in his, in his, uh, his press conference uh, over the weekend, I think it was, or, or earlier. Um, I was impressed by that because normally coaches want to stay away from, like, over – pumping up rookies while they're still learning things. Uh So did Tank Dell do some things to you that showed that he's going to be a guy that looks like he might be climbing the depth chart? The offense was horrible today. So it was hard for any offensive player to have like much juice uh, to show a whole lot. Tank made a good catch in traffic today. Now, D'Amico, the day that he referenced Tank, like he had some really big plays, things like that. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from Tank, but Tank is mostly running with the twos. Okay. So, that I mean, something to note, like, you know, Robert Woods, Noah Brown was on a bicycle for most of practice today. No note of that. Um, and that's someone that he spoke highly of, too, D'Amico. Yeah, yeah. But, and so, Nico's been running with the ones. Robert Woods has been running with the ones. Noah Brown's been wanting, running mostly with the ones. Tank will, like, come in for a rep. You know, Mitch will come in for a rep. But they've been running mostly with the twos. Hutchinson's looked pretty good. Uh, the sixth rounder from uh, Iowa State, but again going up against twos and threes. So Stroud struggled a little bit. St- Singletary's so much better than uh, Damian Pierce in the passing game. Like even just like doing little drills where the running backs are running little routes and catching the ball. Singletary smooth, no problems catching the ball. Pierce just like you know 
hands a brick. Like yeah. the, he drops a lot of easy passes, things like that. Uh, the tight end position scary as of right now because you had Schultz didn't practice today after getting dinged up the other day. Uh, Taron Quentin Tarantino hasn't been practicing either. Brevin Jordan did not practice today either. So you had the tight ends that look like this: Eric Tomlinson, Mason Shrek, and Jordan Murray. Like it's a That's bit, it's good. a bit worrisome. But what scares me there is the depth that tight end is almost similar to the depth at every other position. Like it's still not a super deep team. I think it's deeper defensively uh, than it is offensively. This Alec Buckman guy, a receiver. I don't think there's a place for him on the roster. Kind of like him though. Hmm. Kind of like him is kind of like a, not that he'll ever be Julian Edelman, but like a guy who could help you a little bit, but I don't think he's going to make the roster. Maybe they can hide him on the practice squad, uh, something like that. So that would be, uh, that'd be interesting there. Uh, Jalen Petrie has been really, really good. Uh, he's been very vocal. They don't have the green dots yet. It wouldn't surprise me if he wears the green dot, as a matter of fact. Over Jimmy? I think so. Really? If I Jimmy had, Ward, to me, was the guy D'Amico wanted to have to be like that quarterback on defense. Jalen Petrie is far more vocal than anybody on the defense. Hmm. And like getting them into positions, too. Like to adjustments on the defensive line. Like being very communicative of what they're doing pre-snap. Jalen Petrie's been that dude. And which is high high marks if you're doing and, that over Jimmy Ward in year two. And if you are, yeah, just in your second year, and that's what you're getting out of a guy like that, that's extremely encouraging. And then with, with you talking about how good the defense has looked, then there's two guys that I just need to know how you've seen them look, and that is, you know, Stingley and 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 that is Will Anderson. Both have looked really good. That's great. Both have both have looked really good. Will Anderson very disruptive today. I mentioned that long ball that Mills had to uh, Hutchinson it would have been a sack. Like Will Anderson got there, like and then turned around, and like another second went by before the throw was made. So like Anderson's looking good. Stingley looks real good, like, to be honest. That's great. Now this offense I, I, doesn't have tons of wide receiver power power. So like, what would it look like going up against like Garrett Wilson? Don't know, but uh, he looks really good. And then the special, the extra point, just the, uh, it's kind of weird to me that the Texans only have one kicker, punter, and long snapper on the team during camp. Like, usually there's another there's guy. just a competition, take, yeah. yeah. Or not even a competition all the time. Most of the time there is. But a lot of times just, well, we're going to take some reps away. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want you kicking in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. We don't want you kicking every single ball. This this roster right now has one kicker, one punter, one long snapper, which maybe is like, these that, are our guys. That is a very, that's a rarity with the way camps are normally run in the NFL. And a lot of it is because, especially if you've had a guy that you know has been a longtime kicker or punter in this league, their salary is probably a little higher than what you'd like to pay. So you're always looking for a cheaper option that does about the same kind of thing. But it is kind of crazy that they're they're just basically handing the jobs away off to those guys. Yep, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. How are we feeling about the division after the moves made by the Rangers and the Angels over the weekend? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.